Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dr. Margot Jacques So glad you could join us today for another episode of Mental Health Business Mentor. So during this time where we're doing podcasting, I will be doing some interviews with other people who I think can give you some really good, helpful information. And sometimes I'll just share with you some thoughts and some ideas that I've had from things I've done during the course of my career in developing the Juniper Center. So today I'm going to be talking to you along with my co-host, Chris Pertel. She is our outreach coordinator at the Juniper Center and a lovely human. Hi, Chris. Hi, Margo. So glad you're here. And we are going to be talking today, just beginning the conversation about creating the practice of your dreams. To start us out, question I would have for you, Margo, or other people, if they're getting ready to start their business or grow their business, would be, how do you know you're ready? Oh, I love that question. How do you know you're ready? So I knew I was ready because of a life event. I was going to have a child and I knew I wanted to be home and didn't want to be that mom who didn't ever see my child. So that was the reason for me. But for everybody, it's different. Sometimes people want to do this because they're inspired to offer a different service. Sometimes they are inspired for a financial reason. But I think what they really need to think about essentially is four things. These are kind of the buckets I would consider. I would want to think about uh, what. You really need to know the what. What is it you want to do? If you're a solopreneur or a solo practitioner, are you wanting to just grow that part of your business? And a therapy practice is a business, even if it's just you. Are you wanting to develop a group practice? What, what is it that you want to do specifically? And I would sit down and get as specific as possible. So Chris, I was reading this book the other day uh, called Persuasion. And I think the tagline is how to change people's minds when facts don't matter, which is really timely right now. Uh, but the book is written by Lee Hartley Carter. She's lovely. Anyway, she talks about um, how when she was in college, a friend of hers said, so what do you want to do with your life? And she was kind of thinking, well, I may, I'd like to maybe have a couple of kids and you know, maybe I'll get married someday. And he said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. There is no specificity to that. Like, that's not a vision. That's not a dream. That's like, eh, you know, maybe this could happen. And so she described what he had said, which was he would be someday I don't remember the specifics necessarily, but he did talk about, I'm going to have my own business. I'm going to make this much money. I'm going to have a wife and two children, and I'm going to be pulling up to a dock on my boat. And that's how I'll know I've made it when it's a work day and I'm on my boat and I've made it. So that's a much more specific vision than I think I'll get married and have a couple of kids. But knowing the specificity, it is much easier for you to create what you're wanting if you know specifically what you're going for. So what is your vision? I, I had a client return to me recently whom I'd seen probably 15 years ago. No, it must have been more because the Juniper Center is 16 years ago. So this is 18 years ago. 
So she came back to see me and she said, I can't believe you did this. And I thought, "Uh oh, what what did I do now? And she said, I remember you talking. I asked you back then, what is it that you want to do ultimately in your life? And I don't know why we were talking about that. And And she said, you said you wanted to have a practice with a lot of practitioners and you wanted to have several locations and you wanted to do trauma therapy and you wanted to offer addiction services and just the whole, like she said, the whole thing that you said you were going to do, you've done. So that vision is important. That's wonderful that you, I was going to ask the question, did you have it in your mind where the Juniper Center is today back when you were starting 16 years ago? So, you know, if you had asked me that and I hadn't heard from this person, I would have said, not really. I, I didn't remember the specificity, but evidently I did. So her timing was perfect. Kudos to you. Well, thank you. Kudos to her for coming back to tell me about it. So yeah, I think the next bucket, so that's the what bucket. The next bucket is the why. You know, um, I remember when when you and I interviewed Chris, I think I asked you about the why, and that was part of what I was impressed with, you know, is the, the why. I think the why is important. Why did you want to do outreach with us? Knowing why we want to do something is absolutely a guiding principle. And most therapists will say something like, well, I want to help more people. Great. If that's your why, great. If it's, I want to make more money, great. If it's, I want to serve more people and make more money, wonderful. If it's, I want to retire someday, great. And I will tell you, many therapists over the years whom I've provided consultation for have said, I don't think I can ever retire And my response to that always is, that's unacceptable. If you want to retire, you should be able to retire. There's no reason as a therapist you can't have enough money to retire. And it doesn't mean you're bilking anybody or committing insurance fraud. It just means you're going to be smart about how you run your business. I plan to retire. How about you? Absolutely. Well, you can't retire until I do. but, But the why is important. And did you have that your answer to your why back again, you know, the, the 16 years ago when you were starting? Absolutely. And, and part of the reason the why is so important is that when this gets hard, and it will, I kept that why in mind. My initial why was that I was adopting children and I wanted to be home. So that was my why. And then the why became now I want to be able to support these children because kids are expensive. So there was that was a why. And eventually, so now at this point in my life, it really is about, and someday I want to retire. And so that's part of the why. So the why has evolved, but I absolutely had a driving force why in the beginning. And when I hit some of those walls, I just relied on that and said, well, this is why I'm doing it. I love that. And I love you said that you go back and revisit it because I don't think it's a one time, you know, you sit down and you go through this exercise one time, but you're continuously need to revisit as circumstances change and as the world moves forward. Yeah, exactly. And as my life evolves, you know, I was younger than I am now at a different stage in life. And so, yes, it is something we need to revisit over time. Great. So you have your what and your why. What are in the other two quadrants? Great. So one of them is 
know when. What do you mean by when? So the when, why do people need to know the when? None of us got business training unless you went to business school. So the when would be when you have learned how to run a business, not just when you feel like doing this, but when you've learned how to run a business, that would be my number one suggestion. Is there a high percentage who have had the business training or is that something typically that you don't typically focus on? You don't typically focus on it. We're taught how to be therapists. We're not really taught about how to manage money. We're never taught how to read a profit and loss sheet. We're not taught how to read a balance sheet. We're not taught anything about management or HR. And, you know, I'm using global terms like never, always, but by and large, that's very unlikely that anyone has had any training. And so we just recently absorbed some new therapists who came from other practices. And this has happened over the years. I came from a practice originally where I learned what not to do. But so I've, you know, I had, I was, it was trial by fire originally. And we have gotten people who have joined our practice, who's, who, who our practice, who will tell these stories of just lousy things that happened. And often it's because somebody didn't know how to run a business. It's usually not because somebody was ill-intentioned. Again, these are therapists. I think by Therapists are pretty decent people, but they didn't really know what they were doing from a business perspective. So the the practice closed or the HR wasn't user friendly. People didn't feel like they were well taken care of. So those were some of the things that people didn't really, or they weren't getting paid. They weren't getting paid or they weren't getting paid on time. The business didn't seem solvent. So those were some of the things that, that I think I wished I had known early on and I didn't. So it's really my number one suggestion. And I'll tell you, since I got some business training, we grew threefold. Oh, that's wonderful. And let me ask you this. So getting, you mentioned the business training, is that something you need to go out and get yourself? Or is that something that somebody else can help you with? Or how did you approach that? Well, I had it, you know, we talked last week about mentors. I found people who could teach me. Most of what I learned was finding people who could teach me. Now, I went through the 10,000 small businesses, Goldman Sachs program where I learned some of these things. But really, I also learned from the folks who I feel mentored me, people I reached out to. So I wish I had somebody I could have turned to back at that time. So absolutely, you can find a consultant, you can find somebody who's done it before, you can certainly find a program where people can teach you those business pieces, but you don't have to go back and get an NBA. There are certain things you just need to know how to do. That makes sense. What are pieces that you've found that you're able to maybe outsource in your business? Yeah, outsourcing is imperative. So there is a book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. And he wrote about how to take your business to the next level. One of the biggest things he says that he repeatedly says, and and my brother and I say this to each other all the time, and I've said this to many other people who run businesses, you have to be able to work on your business, not just in your business. You have to be able to work on your business, not just in your business. You have to carve out time to work in your business, to educate yourself about business. Because you're dealing with banks, you're dealing with contracts, you're dealing with vendors, you're dealing with HR, 
there are a lot of moving pieces. And if that's just not your wheelhouse, which as a therapist, it probably isn't understandably, then you need to figure out either how to do those yourself or how to outsource. Not everybody wants to do billing for a large group of people. You need to find a good biller. There's nothing wrong with that. Find a great billing company, or you can hire small HR companies that will take care of some of these pieces for you. You need somebody who will help you with credentialing. Find a good attorney, have a good attorney relationship so that you can send contracts to them. There are all kinds of contracts that come through and your liability once you are a group is far different than it is when you're a solopreneur because now all of a sudden you're responsible for what other people are doing, what other people's choices are in their therapy. There might be uh, subpoenas that come in. How do you know if it's a valid subpoena or not? So having a good understanding of those things and or having people on retainer. So Sarah Blakely, who was the founder of Spanx, talked about how the very first thing she was going to do when she founded her business, because she was doing all the pieces in the beginning, as we all do as entrepreneurs, right? We all do these pieces. We have to do it all until you can hire somebody else to do it. She said the very first thing she was going to do is hire people who knew how to do the things she wasn't great at. So I can do billing. I'm not great at it. I can do credentialing. I'm not great at it. Now, that said, I've become much better. I can do billing now at a much higher level than I could back then. But you need to find the people who can do this for you. So you hire those things out. Like I hired you to do outreach. You're excellent at it. We have our marketing team. We have an assistant director. We have people who can help us with these pieces. I'm very aware at this point that I can't do it all. So part of the purpose of this podcast is to give you, the listener, the tools you need so that you can be running your business much more efficiently and still providing compassionate care at the same time. Another question I had, Margot, is when you were going through this process, how did you find resources to help you? Oh, yeah. So uh, at the time, Google was not quite what it is now, but I would say you can obviously find anything on Google. In fact, I think, Chris, we might put a couple of articles on the website. What what we can do, Margo, is we can put a lot of these books and articles that you've referenced onto our website at mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com. And that way they can be available for people to take a look at whenever is convenient to them. That's perfect. That's great. So yeah, they can start by looking at some of those resources. We'll put a few on, on the website and talk to people that you know, or people you don't know, or shoot me a question. I'm happy to answer questions for you. So find somebody who you think has done this before. You like the look of their practice. I think of these as aspirational practices. This is to people that I'm aspiring to be like. My practice, I want to be like theirs. Shoot them an email. I, I can't tell you how many times I've reached out to people and expected to get nothing back. And I've actually gotten something back from people who are very interested in donating their time and helping people along. So I would just reach out. I would do a little research, see who looks like they're interesting. Whose practice do you like? Give them a call. See if they'll have a virtual coffee with you. You can actually send them through Grubhub or something else, a coffee, and perhaps they'll sit down with you and have a chat via Zoom. Oh, that's a great idea. 
So thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you joining me today. Thank you all for listening. I'll very much look forward to hearing from you and speaking to you again. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you, Margo. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.